We're brought here today by the love that Sarah and Davis have for each other. I can't believe I get to marry him. We're perfectly compatible in every way. Yeah, she just gets me, man. Someone to talk to all night long. Someone to talk to all night long. Early morning jogs. Sleeping in late. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll have one well-behaved daughter. We'll have four or five little dudes running around. He'll help me pay off my debt. I should probably tell her about all my debt. Is that important? We'll share a bank account. Obviously, we're gonna share a Facebook account. <laughs> do I need a friend my in-laws? Someone to do my laundry. Someone to do my laundry. Double income. Stay at home, dad. Meal planning, of course. Take out. The city. The burbs. Mission trip. Ski trip. Blue. Red. Cat. Dog. Fries. Rings. Potato. Potato. Minivan. Motorcycle. Two words. Finished basement. Two words. Man cave. Oh, he's so smart. Do you think that birds wish that they had hands? We're going to be so happy. We'll be so happy. I'm going to crush it at being a husband. Well, welcome to part one of four in our new series, What Happy Couples Know. And anytime we talk about relationships, I realize it can be intimidating, especially in a church, especially if you're new to church or uh, you're not a faith person or person of faith and this is kind of a new thing for you, or maybe you grew up in church, so you have some experience with church, you have a stereotype of church, and so for the church or a pastor to stand up and talk about relationships, you may feel a little intimidated. And there's some good reasons why, because in the past, or you've heard from friends that the church when it comes to relationships, is all about what not to do, what to stop doing, or what you'll be punished for doing. And I get that. But lucky for you, the goal of this series is not really any of those-ish, but really to help you understand each week one thing that happy couples know and what you can know too, or maybe you already know, and now you can put some words to it so you can understand and move forward in your relationship with confidence and, and, and lean into the good parts of what's going on in maybe an existing relationship that you have. I promise you though, wherever you are in the relationship world, single, dating, engaged, whatever, um, there is value in today. You will take something away from today. And so today, if you're a multitasking person, you, you have me up on your phone or TV or laptop screen, but I'm kind of over to the side or something. Today is a day worth turning off your phone for, is worth telling your kids to, you know, play quietly, which I'm sure will go super well, and to be present because today is worth your time. So I hope, I hope you'll do that. Take some time to rest, as we've been talking about the last four weeks, and focus in on today's message. The other thing I want to remind you of is that today will not fix your spouse. Today will not fix your spouse because really only you can fix you. You nor I can fix fix your, your spouse. We will get so much farther in this series for your relationship if you just take this time to focus on the differences and changes you can make and how your heart can change versus worrying about all your spouse's issues. 
And I realize this is hard to do because it is so much easier to see the problems we're going to talk about today in your spouse. It's so much easier to focus on what your spouse is doing wrong, but that, my friends, will not help. And so today I want you to realize today is not about fixing your spouse. It's about what you can do. Finally, on a serious note, a lot of disclaimers, but I think this is important when we talk about relationships. Serious note, some of you are watching today because you're looking for answers, because you're hurting And it is not fun to hurt. And I'm, for one, sorry that you are hurting and that you're here today because you're hurting and you want the hurt to go away. Number two, I want you to know that you matter to us here at Infused Church. And you matter even more to your Father in heaven, that you are loved even though you are feeling hurt because you're not feeling loved. You need to know That one of the outcomes of this series, though, is to bring you clarity, to bring perspective and truth into all of our situations, all of our relational situations. And and there is a little bit of a downside to that. And that is because we can kind of make, because of what we're going to talk about today and the rest of the series, we can make you feel even more hurt, which is not our goal. But what happens when you see things for what they are in a relationship, sometimes that can hurt even more. And I just want to give you an awareness of that. But I also ask that you don't work through the hurt alone. We have a counseling list here at Infuse. I would be happy to confidentially send that to you if you email me, taylor at infuse.church. I will gladly email you uh, that counseling list. You can find a counselor to work it through with them. Or if you're in a small group, work through your hurt in your small group. Don't move forward through that hurt alone. It's just already too hard. Don't move through the content of today, the truth that we're going to bring today alone. Okay? Now, with all that in mind, let's get started with what happy couples know. And the first thing that happy couples know, and that we're going to talk about for the rest of the day, is or are expectations. Happy couples know expectations. They know how important they are. They know how to handle them. They know how they impact their relationship, their engagement. They know how they impact their marriage or their dating life. They get expectations. They're aware of expectations in a relationship. In fact, this is so important. One of the first things we talk about in premarital counseling here at Infuse, when when somebody asks if I'll marry them, we sit down and I have you do an assessment. You go through this um, assessment and it spits out 16 pages of content that we work through. That's one of the components of this. Um, It's called Simba, Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. And this feels silly, but one of the pages looks like this. This is a sample page and it's all about expectations. Literally a whole page of the 16 pages has to do with expectations. And they seem like silly expectations, like who's going to do the yard work, gas up the car, laundry, make the bed, those kinds of things, okay? It seems silly, but my friends... These become pitfalls in a long-term relationship. These are things that rear their ugly head over time in a relationship because you and I, we bring expectations into relationships. Simple things like doing the dishes to big things like hopes and our dreams. We bring those into relationships. And these hopes and these dreams and these expectations, they change over time, which makes this really complicated, okay? But they're 
also things that tend to become a little bit more clear and a little bit more important as you move closer to marriage and especially children. As your relationship grows, you should learn what is in um, someone's relation or expectation box. But unfortunately, we really don't. Unfortunately, a lot of these we don't talk about or we have preconceived notions of what they look like and we don't ever talk about them before it comes to pass, before we're married, before we're together forever and ever and ever. And so this is an area that happy couples get a jump start on. This is an area where happy couples understand the expectation, what expectations there are and talk about them and, and know what to do about them. So that's why we're going to talk about them, this today. We're going to talk about all of these, um, if the camera's following me over here, we're going to talk about all of these expectations, which for the, the sake of simplicity today, we're going to simply put in this box of expectations, okay? And I have them and you have them, and we bring them all into relationships. And they're generally pretty full. They're kind of heavy um, with, with stuff. And it's all sorts of things, right? Um, you have expectations of what car you're going to drive or what car you should be driving, okay? And, and that's going to have an impact because if the car's not working, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never heard of a relationship where cars continue to break down, break down, and, and everybody's super happy in the marriage. So what car are you going to be driving? Um, you'll have expectations around what food you eat. You know, some of you, um, you know, you're, you're a healthy eater, okay? And this is the kind of food you like to eat. And others of you, um, you're more like a, an ice cream person. And so, so you like this thing. And then, and then you get married and, um, you know, somebody's cooking in the kitchen and, and they always cook, you know, healthy foods. And you're sitting there like, well, where's the ice cream? And then they're like, well, you, if you want ice cream, you should go do the groceries yourself. And you know how that goes, okay? And so there's those expectations. Oh, this is a great one. Um, who earns all the money, okay? There's an expectation. Not a lot of people talk about it, but there's expectations around money. And, and so some of you have an expectations that you're gonna make the money and some of you have expectations that you're gonna spend the money. And usually you're not exactly on the same page about that. And so already I can just see some eyes looking at each other in the room where you're watching about how money is gonna be handled in your in your relationship, the expectations. Um, some of you are big travelers, so you're going to get out your your uh, Barbie suitcase here, and, and oh, look at this! This is adorable. Ooh, boom! And you're going to travel everywhere. And the the other one of you, you're kind of a homebody, and so you really don't want to go anywhere, and so that creates conflict um, in your relationship because uh, you have different expectations. Um, some of you, you um, have uh, big hopes and dreams for your house. Okay, and how, how big your house is or what kind of house you have. Some of you have, have expectations or hopes and dreams that you're going to have a second house. Some of you have like three houses because you got one in the south. So you might as well have one in the north and then one in Iowa uh, for whatever reason. Um, some of you have expectations of who's going to be cleaning you know, the house, who's going to be doing the dusting and all that stuff. Some of you have no expectations, so there's never any dusting in your home. So I suppose that sometimes makes it easier. Um, some of you uh, have expectations about kids. You know, how many kids are you going to have? Um, you know, you, you, one says none, and then the other says we're going to have a lot. And so you compromise on one, and, and then you end up having two. And, well, it's just, it's really difficult um, to not start having them. I know for Stephanie and I, you know, we have two, and then I, I thought two was good. But then I found out that they're pretty cute and adorable, and I, I love them a lot. And so in May, we're going to have another one. So that's exciting. Another girl, by the way. So just so you know, I have 
three plus my wife, four girls in my house come May. So that's exciting. I'll let you all process that announcement. Um, oh, here's the binky. So that goes in the baby's mouth. Or, oh, that's a good one. Are you going to have binkies or not? That's a good expectation. Um, some of you um, have uh, disagreements of what church is going to look like in your relationship. There it is. What church is going to look like in your relationship? How often are we going to go to church? We're not going to go to church. That pastor that the, of the church that you go to, honey, you know, he's a little quirky and funny and he uses dolls and Barbie toys in his sermons. And so we're probably not going to go to that church anymore. Um, what other things do we have? Oh, marshmallows. Because some of you have expectations that your spouse is going to make you happy because that's what marshmallows are. They're pretty much just complete happiness. And so some of you have expectations about that. Some of you have expectations, men, <clears throat> You have expectations of what your wife's going to look like and what she's going to wear and that she's going to look like that forever and ever and ever and how her hair is going to look and all sorts of stuff like that. Men, being honest about that, okay? Ladies, you also have expectation of what your husband's going to look like. You know, he's going to work out and he's going to be strong. And I don't know about you, but I bet Captain America gets his honey honey to-do list done around the house. Some of you have some expectations around that. Um, scheduling, that's a good one. You know, how, where are you going to spend your holidays and all that kind of stuff? Um, and, you know, how are you going to get the kids from one place to the other? Who's going to be in charge of scheduling? When are we going to talk about it? I mean, it just goes on and on. And listen, there is nothing wrong with any of this. There is nothing wrong with your box. To make that point even clearer, let's go back to the TV. There is nothing wrong with the box. And I probably missed some of the expectations that are in your personal box. There's nothing wrong with hopes and dreams and prayers and expectations. The problem is what you do with the box. That's what matters. That's the problem, is what we do with the box. Let's go back to the box for a second. What happens as the relationship evolves, you were dating and, you know, now you get married and, and that kind of thing, or sometime in that pathway of relationship involvement, or you've been with each other for five years and whatever it is, you don't realize what starts to happen. All of these things that are in your box right here, all of these things that are in your box, you begin to take your box of expectations and you begin to give it to the other person. And this is where it matters. In fact, this is where kind of the problem begins. You may not even give them the full box right away. It may begin, you know, begin with one thing and then becomes another thing and another thing. And before you know it, they have like half your box. Maybe right from the get-go, they have all of your box. You give them all of your box. And what happens, what your spouse feels when you begin to give them the, your box is, is they feel like, Um, those things, these things are not hopes and dreams and expectations anymore. They become work. These things that are your hopes become their task, become their homework, become their burden. And they begin to feel like their failure in any of these areas means that their relationship may be failing or will at least suffer. And marriage or dating or whatever isn't fun anymore. It's just simply work. And they'll respond a couple of different ways. They'll, they'll respond one way. Um, they may grin and bear it. And uh, they, they may just endure it, so to speak. That's one way to, you know, 
carry out the relationship and they'll just get through because we're committed, we're, we're married, we've got to stay together forever and ever. And so they'll just grit their teeth and bear the brunt of your expectations. Or maybe you're the person that's bearing the other person's expectations. Or what happens, and this is even more unhealthy, they take their box because you're giving them your box and they'll take their box and start giving it to you. And so if you didn't feel burdened before, you'll start to feel burdened now. And before you know it, each of you will be holding up each other's boxes. And before you know it, this thing called bitterness begins to creep into your relationship and resentment and anger and your relationship begins to suffer. And it even gets worse as if that wasn't bad enough. It even gets worse because it would be all fine if both of your expectations were the exact same. And it would both be fine if you had the exact same expectations at the exact same time. So it always just worked out. In fact, I think a lot of people, that's what they hope for in their relationships. They hope that their spouse would have the exact same expectations they do at the exact same time that they have them. And so they move through life like that. But that's not how life generally works. Once in a while, it'll work out that way. But a lot of times it doesn't. And what happens is we have different hopes and dreams. And then when our expectations are not the same, when they conflict, you will have conflict. When expectations conflict, you will have conflict. And the happiness goes away. And then the fights start. Because you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And then the other person responds and says, well, yeah, that's because your expectations aren't very smart. And then the other person responds and says, well, are you saying my, my hopes and dreams are dumb? And then the other person says, well, you don't even care about mine. So why should I care about yours? And then it just escalates. Married people are sitting there having some light bulb moments like, oh boy, he's talking about me. He's talking about us. If that's you, you need to be here through the rest of this series because there's a lot to unpack. And if you're dating, you have the opportunity. You have a unique opportunity because if you stick around for the rest of this series, you have the chance to get this right from the get-go. And by get this right, I don't mean going to the first date and pulling out a list of expectations that says, well, my pastor Taylor says that I have to talk to you about all my expectations. That is not what I'm talking about because that'll be one of the shortest dates you ever have. What I'm saying is we have to begin to become aware of what expectations do to relationships so we can handle them appropriately. What I'm saying is expectations create a debt-debtor relationship. We all need to realize when it comes to relationships, even in general, expectations create a debt-debtor relationship. Why do you have to pay your employees? Why do you have to get paid to do your job? Because if you didn't get paid, if you didn't get compensated for your time, you would be left with a debt-debtor relationship. You'd sit there and say, I'm doing all this work. I'm dealing with all these things. And my boss is, you know, questionable at best. And I'm doing all this for nothing. I feel owed something. I feel owed something. In fact, that's a better way to say this. I think the debt-debtor relationship is just to say, you owe me something. You owe me something. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that debt and being a debt or debtor in a relationship is not healthy. There is no family or friendship that does well under the strain of having debt towards each other. 
But it happens because when we go to our spouse and we say, you owe me time, you owe me happiness, you owe me to pay the bills, to clean, to stay fit, to watch the kids, to have kids, it builds debt. It's as if you're saying, I want you to take on my box because you owe, and so therefore you owe me. Especially when these things that I expect of you don't happen, you owe me even more than. Because you should do what a good husband does. And what a good husband does is what's in my box. And my wife or your wife, you should do what I want because what I have expectations for is what a good wife should do. My friends, this is not what God had in mind. This is not what God had in mind when he put the first man and woman together. In fact, I want to let you in a little secret. The whole of the biblical story, the whole of God's story, if you actually read the Bible from start to finish, is God removing a debt-debtor relationship. It's the process by which God goes through and removes the debt-debtor relationship. And unfortunately, this doesn't happen in our relationships. And therefore, this is where things really start to go downhill. Got a question for you. How often do you show gratitude to those who pay you what they owe you? How often do you say thank you to those who pay you what they already owe you? How often are you genuinely grateful when someone does what they're just supposed to do, what you simply just expect them to do? How often are you grateful? See, I have a debt-debtor relationship with my mortgage company, and I've never gotten a thank you from them. Can you believe that? It's like they don't care. It's like they expect me to pay my mortgage on time. How rude. We rarely express gratitude for what we come to expect. We rarely express gratitude for what we've come to expect. Because you're supposed to support my dream. You're supposed to buy me that. You're supposed to be home by this time. Because it becomes routine and expected. Especially as a relationship goes on. Especially as the spark of the new relationship dies away. It just becomes all an expectation. No longer appreciated. Because I'm not going to say thank you when you do what I asked you to do or what you should do, or what a good husband or wife should do. And this is a massive problem. And happy couples know how bad of a place this is to be. Because happy couples understand what this means. To say it another way, happy couples understand that we rarely express love for what we've come to expect. I don't love you for vacuuming because I expect it. It's the least you can do. We agreed that you would do all the cleaning. I expect you for putting, to put your clothes away because, well, we're not in college anymore. I expect you to be at home on time because it's the least you could do in our marriage. If all your spouse does is meet your expectations, there is nothing worth loving about them. It can never be enough to make you feel loved because We've exchanged boxes of expectations, and so we sit there and just hold each other accountable for expectations. And even if you can exceed an expectation, guess what happens? The bar is raised to become that new expectation. Oh, you suffocates 
love you. OU suffocates love you. If I expect dinner when I get home, and then I get home and you made me dinner, now we're just kind of like at zero, right? And if there wasn't dinner, then we're negative. But where's the positive? And I get it. Some of you are sitting there thinking to yourself, well, yeah, but, but Taylor, I mean, is it that unreasonable to expect that parents should watch their kids or that a spouse could help out with the dishes every so often? I get where you're coming from, but be careful. Be careful. This becomes a slippery path of an expectation mess because who hoped to have kids? Who hoped to have X amount of kids? Who agreed to have that? It becomes this back and forth of, well, I did this for you, then I did this for you, then I did this for you. And it becomes an expectation mess that my friends will always end in bitterness, suffocating love. This can be true for all topics. Slippery slope, number one. Slippery slope of having these expectations and pushing them on others. Number two, my friends, this is a hard and fast rule. Oh, you suffocates love you. Hard and fast rule. Even though all your friends may agree with you that your wife should do this or your husband should have better behavior, which let's say, let's be honest, they probably should. But it doesn't matter. Because anytime the feeling of oh you enters into a relationship, it will suffocate love you. I'm going to say that again just to make sure you're letting this sink in for a second. Anytime the feeling of oh you comes into a relationship, even if it's fair or not, even if it's reasonable or not, doesn't matter. If there's oh you in the relationship, it is suffocating love. Happy couples understand this, and so they are very aware of how this plays in to a relationship. Okay, so Taylor, you're saying that this is a hard and fast rule that we have to accept this. So then what do we do with all of our expectations? Great questions. What do we do with our hopes and dreams and prayers and desires? What do we do? Do we go over here to our box and we just take our box of expectations and we forget them? You know, do we just sit there and pack them all up and say, you know, I guess, you know, I guess I'll never leave Iowa. I'm always, you know, going to be here in Iowa. And I guess I'll have to say goodbye to anything sugar because, you know, I'm on a plant-based diet or something. And, you know, I pretty much have to manage all the schedule and I'm never going to have that nice car that I deserve, you know, money. (laughs) I I mean, I, I just throw that out the window. Okay, kids, you know, uh, I'm going to have to watch them or something of that nature, something like that. I'm going to have to do all the cleaning, you know, because that's just how our relationship goes. And, you know, houses, you know, I'd love to just have one, but I guess we're just going to start tenting it from now on. Um, Happiness, never mind that. Church, well, that just goes in the bucket. Okay. And how I look or how my spouse looks, I can only dream. And then we just take it and dump it out the window, Taylor. Is that what we're supposed to do? No. Listen, some of these, not all of these, some of these are actually God-given expectations. Some of these actually are given to you from your Father in heaven because you were created in his image and they're implanted on you. There are certain values and behaviors that just come from God. And so you just can't take those God, especially those God-given ones, and just throw them out the window. 
So what do we do? Well, the quick answer is you keep everything in the box. You don't hand out the things that are in your box. You don't make someone else responsible for the box. You don't take this box and put this burden on someone else. You hold it. You hold your expectations in your hands. Now, quick side note, little asterisk here to add to this, okay? If you're in a relationship that is harmful, that is abusive, okay? One, you need to seek professional counseling. You need to get to a safe place right away. But generally speaking, the unfortunate reality is the more you put expectations on the other, even abusive spouse, um, the more they push back, the angrier they will get. Why? Because expectations don't work very well in other people's hands. It suffocates the love. And you say, well, there's no love there. In that case, you need to find help. You need to get to a safe place. But in most cases, happy couples know that their spouse does not owe them their box. What does your spouse, what do they owe you? Happy couples know, and I bet deep down you know this too, they owe you nothing. Happy couples decide, happy couples make a choice that their spouse owes them nothing. And mind you, I'm saying happy couple, by the way, which means both sides, right? You owe me nothing and I owe you nothing, which allows me, get this, this is a cool part, which allows me to be grateful for everything because I have no expectations. Therefore, I'm grateful for everything you do and allows love to fill every facet of the relationship. It allows love to fill every facet of the relationship because you're not expecting the world from each other. Even when you do something for me, I don't owe you. And even when I do something for you, you don't owe me. I just do it, get this, because I love you. Never because I owe you. That feels different, doesn't it? I do something for you because I love you, not ever because I owe you. And you can start this today, my friends. It's this simple. Wow. I didn't expect that. Thank you. Honey, I always make dinner. I always fix things around the house. I always train the dogs. I always do the dishes. Well, I don't expect you to, though. And therefore, I'm grateful. Thank you. I'm still learning how to do this personally, okay? But I try to make an intentional effort to be grateful for my wife, Stephanie. When she gets the dishes done and I notice that, I said, gosh, you know, I really appreciate that. Thank you for taking care of that. Thank you for watching the girls. I'll even say silly things. She thinks this is silly, but I'll say things like, thanks for being my wife. Because in my opinion, it's not easy. So thank you. Come on, you know happy couples. Happy couples don't make sense. You just kind of look at them and you're like, you can't be that happy. Because for whatever reason, in their relationship, it doesn't matter where the money comes from. It doesn't matter the talents. It doesn't matter their career path. It doesn't matter family size or house size or the car they drive. It doesn't matter because they don't expect anything from each other, yet they're grateful for everything. 
And this rubs off too, by the way. When you have this in your relationship, other people look at it and say, wow, your relationship is just a light to the world. What is going on? And my friends, this isn't new. I didn't come up with this. Because Jesus, hours before he would be executed by crucifixion, he gets his disciples together. They have this last supper, this Passover meal before Jesus is soon to be arrested, tried, crucified, and dies. And in the middle of this moment, around this table, in this room, Jesus gets down on his hands and knees and wraps a towel around his waist and washes his disciples' dirty feet. Just before the Son of God is about to die for the sins of the world, die for their sins around the table, what does he do? He washes their feet. And then, after he washes the feet, you know what he says? Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Did Jesus, the Son of God, owe the disciples anything? No. Was he superior in power and knowledge and sinlessness, perfection compared to them? Yes, he was better than them. Did he hold it over them? No, he washed their smelly, nasty toes and feet with his bare hands. This is how we should treat one another. No one is better than the other. No one is more valuable than the other. Just like in marriage, happy couples lean into Jesus' command. A few verses later, same room, same moment in time, just a few verses later, here's what John writes. A new command, Jesus said, I give you, love one another as I, not how your wife has loved you, not how your husband has loved you, how I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, get this, by this, everyone, not just some people, everybody's going to know that you are my disciple if you love one another. He had to repeat it to make it clear. If you love one another, this is how people are going to know that you are my disciple, how I loved you. And how did I love you? I washed your feet. I died for you. And lean in. Even though I didn't owe you for anything, this is how I treated you because that is what love does. God forgave your sins against him. The sins that you have committed against other people, other human beings, his children, when you miss the mark with loving God and loving your neighbor, though that's called sin. When you sin against creation, the world that he has given us, all of that he forgave. Not because, not because you, he owed you anything. In fact, he owed you nothing. But he loved you completely. Imagine if your future spouse or your current one, you both approached your relationship in complete service and sacrifice to each other daily and believed you owed each other nothing and were grateful for everything. What would happen? What would happen? I think it would change. 
everything. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not your kind of love, not the world kind of love, not the expectations, hold my box kind of love, God's kind of love. If you would, bow your heads pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for a love that we didn't define. Thank you, Lord, that we have a model for what love is and what love can be. That we don't have to take our cues from the rest of the world, what other people are driving, what other people's homes look like or the things that they have or the trips that they take. But instead, we can take our cues from you. And that we don't have to hold all those things over our spouse. That in fact, we shouldn't. In fact, they owe us nothing. You owed us nothing, Lord. Yet you gave everything. Help us, Lord, especially if we've been far from you, especially if we've been running from you, especially if we struggle with our faith or we just don't feel like we have any. Help us to let that love fill our hearts and let that love be what carries us forward. Let that love be the kind of love that fills our relationships, our engagement, our marriage, our dating life. Let that be what defines our relationship more than anything else. Let it transform us, Lord, from the inside out. Not let our, our, our spouse's expectations transform us or our expectations of them transform our hearts, but your love to transform our hearts and help us go forward understanding this amazing concept that you, though you owed us nothing, forgave our debt completely because that's what love does. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.